The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you so much for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. I think we've got an excellent lineup for you today. I hope everybody had a great uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, if you had a chance to get away from the relatives, hope you tuned in to Alicia Wentz-Hughes and Jay Privman with our uh, Breeders' Cup recap show uh, that we played last Thursday. And uh, tonight, well, we're going to bring you the Jockey of the Week, none other than Brian Hernandez, Jr., We've spoken to Brian before. You're going to have to go back in time a little bit, though. It was on his 27th birthday when he won the Breeders' Cup Classic, $5 million at Santa Anita aboard Fort Larned. Uh, So we got to talk to Brian back then, and what a weekend he had. Uh, He certainly enjoyed the Thanksgiving holiday, Uh, had none other than four wins over that period of a few days. So uh, Brian, just a a great guy, a a former Eclipse Award winner uh, as an apprentice. That was back in 2004. So we're going to get to talk to him and learn a little bit more about his career since we talked to him last. Uh, Certainly a hard to top uh, the five million breeders cup classic uh, but he had uh, quite uh, the the week i believe his horses uh, won uh, over 582,000 in purses down at churchill downs then we're going to head down to where you handicappers are going to love the action this weekend and that's at Gulfstream park and we're going to talk to the man with the mic the mellow fellow one of my favorites Pete I-L-O. Pete is really going to have to uh, have his top microphone talents ready because the fields are packed and stacked. Very few standout favorites. 11 races on the card. This is the claiming crown down at Gulfstreams. You might have to get up a little bit early with the 11 races. It all kicks off at 12 noon. So uh, Pete I-L-O, uh, who is uh, not only the voice of Gulfstream Park, but is a great racing analyst, will be helping us out with those races. Well, we got some other big races uh, on the calendar this weekend at Del Mar. It's the $300,000 Grade 1 Hollywood Derby at Aqueduct. The Grade 3 Go for Juan, that c- carries a quarter million dollars. Uh, back at Del Mar, Grade 2 Bayacoa Handicap, 200 on the line. And uh, up at Woodbine, they've got the display stakes. So, uh, again, uh, we're going to go with the blue-collar action, the claiming crown at Gulfstream Park. So, with 
these huge fields and big odds, you're definitely going to want to go to winningponies.com and pull down the easy win forms because you are going to need them, trust me, on this 11-race program. The fields are just overflowing, multiple fields of 14 horses. Uh, Not every race, but there are several that have at least 14 horses in them. So, uh, Pull down the easy win forms at Gulfstream just last week. We had a $1 Super 5 that paid over $3,100. Out at Delmar, where there's going to be good action, as we just stated, we had a $1 Super 5 key that paid $1,927. And, of course, uh, Churchill Downs, they're closed out now, but we hope you joined us for the $1 Super that we had. Six thousand three hundred seventeen dollars. That'll buy a lot of turkey. So uh, you're going to want to pull that down. Now we're going to try to power through this because there was so much action uh, over uh, the the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm going to try to get to it all, but we've also had some late breaking news. And of course, for those of you that want to get to the claiming crown, you might not be able to get away. You can join uh, Mike Penna and Jude Feld at uh, Horse Racing Radio. Dot net. Of course, we've had both of those guys on uh, Horse Racing Radio Network. So if you, you can't get to a, a track or an OTB parlor, uh, you can listen to it on your computer, horseracingradio.net. Okay, well, uh, at uh, Churchill Downs, they close out the uh, Kentucky Derby Future Wager number one. And it looks like Classic Empire is going to be on top in the early wagering right now at 6-1. to one. Uh, Behind him is Mastery uh, at 10-1. to one. Then we have Guna Vera, if I'm saying that correctly, um, who pay a 46-20 for a bet. And McCracken at 12-1, to one, and the rider McCracken, none other than Brian Hernandez Jr., so we're going to find out a little bit more about that. Kind of interesting, they also had a Kentucky Derby sire bet, and uh, the uh, the leading sire uh, was a pioneer of the Nile. Uh, he'll, he'll get you $13 for your $2 wager. Uh, then, of course, I love Candy Ride, $20.80. Uncle Mo, $21.40. Ghost Sapper, $27.00. Curlin, who's really hot right now at 31.20, and the hottest sire in North America, Tappet, 33.20. So you could actually bet on future sires because you don't know. Some of those might be in the, the all-above pool that went away as the favorite. Okay, well, California Chrome, you know, his home has been Los Al, and I think it's kind of cool that they've added a stakes race to its winter meeting to give him a local prep before he'll go on to race in the Pegasus. And we'll be talking to Pete Aiello about that. It's called the Winter Challenge. It's going to be run December 17th, a mile and a 16th. And they kind of sweeten the purse structure to get some horses to come in against them. Uh, the race is worth $100,000, $50,000 to the winner, $30,000 to the runner-up, $20,000 for third, $15,000 for fourth and fifth. So uh, it's kind of great that they're having this race because while he's trained there most of his career, this uh, earner of uh, over $14 million has never raced at Los Al. And they figure if hundreds of people come out just to watch him work out, thousands will come out to watch him race in the afternoon. 
Well, the word is out on tappable. We announced that uh, she was retired, and the plans are for her to go over the pond and to be bred to Frankel, most probably for two seasons. So uh, that champion, who knows what she'll produce. Uh, of course, Frankel, known for siring his turf horses, uh, We'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. you got to remember that she is out of 2014 Broodmare of the Year Funhouse. And uh, so very, very interesting. We'll, we'll be tracking that. He is such a good-looking stud. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of him. And he's also just on fire. All right. Thing is, her competition staying on the track. Songbird, who just got nosed out in the Breeders' Cup. Got a clean bill of health. She's going to uh, rest up in Kentucky for a while. And uh, Jerry Hollendorfer has announced that she will be returning to a light trainer here right around the first of the year. So uh, can't wait to see Songbird uh, racing again next season. Okay, Flavian Pratt, he got injured. He uh, got bounced out, and it looked like he has some internal problems. Uh, the bleeding subsided, they say, but they don't want him to get on a horse again until after Santa Anita. So he uh, will be out until uh, probably the day after Christmas and also missing the cl- closing of uh, the uh, final week of the meet, Delmar, is jockey Rafael Bayerano. He has a soft tissue injury in his right hand, and he's going to miss that final week. So we wish him a good return. They do expect him to come back uh, ready to roll. Of course, Bayerano won the fall meeting title last year, and he's won or tied the jockey's title six times at Delmar, including the last five. Okay, I brought up Tappet's name. He's already breaking his own records. Uh, Tappet, he, he... for the last three years, has set the record for the North American single-season progeny earnings. Uh, Divining Ride ran second and uh, earned money, uh, enough to put him over the top in the $500,000 cigar mile. So uh, Tappet uh, just keeps setting records, and uh, his earnings record in 2004 was 16.8%. Before that, it was 14.3, established by Smart Strike. So, uh, Tappet stays hot, and some of his sons are going to be joining him. Uh, It looks like Anchor Down uh, is retiring to Gainesway. I just uh, found that out today. Of course, um, that multiple stakes winning great son of Tappet um, beat eventual Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner, Tam occurs in the Kelso handicap, and uh, what a race that was! You know, um, they were pointing for his three-year-old season. Took their time with him. Todd Pletcher uh, trained, and uh, in the Kelso handicap, he went under the 133 mark in the Kelso handicap. So they say. Uh, I believe Pletcher's comment was that's very rarefied air, and of course. So many uh, breeders say that the best milers uh, make the best studs. So uh, Tappet's going to have uh, Anchor Down. Anchor Down was uh, bred by Gainesway and returns to his birthplace. Now, FNX, he's going to stay in New York. Rich, the third richest New York bred earner of all time is going to be going to Quest Royal Stud in Stillwater, New York. So uh, here's a horse that won two runnings of the Suburban at Belmont, captured the grade one Clark Handicap at Churchill Downs. Uh, this year he won the Suburban, uh, won the grade two Oakland Handicap. He's going to be a great addition to that roster in New York. Uh, this one, a bit of a surprise, Take Charge Indy, sold to South Korea. 
I mean, you talk about a horse with pedigree. And he won the Florida Derby, a millionaire, uh, but it looks like he is going to South Korea. Uh, kind of interesting, though, well, you know, he stood at Windstar Farm where he had an average of 133 mares per year, but they did sell him with the caveat that they have the option to return him in the future. So, uh, you know, he's out of the broodmare of the year, take charge lady, and uh, take charge Indy's a half-brother to uh, champion will take charge. His weanling sold very good at the sale. So, uh, um He's going to go to uh, South Korea. So anyhow, uh, let's see some in some other breeding news. And you know, this is the time of year when a lot of horses uh, do get retired. Um, Kentucky Derby runner-up Firing Line has been retired. Uh, they're not sure what the stud plans are for him. And this one, a real disappointment. This horse ran so big in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Not this time trained by Dale Romans, has been retired from racing after that beautiful runner-up performance in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, it looks like uh, he has a, an injury that is not career-ending. It's a soft tissue injury to his right front leg, but they're not going to take any chances with him. He's by Cyrus Sires Giants Causeway. Uh, so it looks like he is going to be going to Taylor Made Stallions what a group they're going to have in the years ahead. So I'm really sorry because that was a, a heck of a matchup uh, in the Breeders' Cup. you got to remember, he's a half-brother to Liam's Map, who was a Breeders' Cup winner too. So uh, he's going uh, to TaylorMade. And uh, just some quick headlines here. Uh, Gun Runner, nice three-year-old, beat the older horses in the Clark Handicap, a mile and an eighth for trainer uh, Steve Asmussen. Uh, and... Uh, we just mentioned a binding rod in the Cigar Mile. The winner there was Connect, who took down the $500,000 top prize. And Miss Sky Warrior just held on in the Demazel, the grade two, uh, held off Jameson and Ginger. So it'll be interesting to watch those. And coming up shortly, we're going to find out a lot more about McCracken. A lot of people have been writing about him. He's the real deal in the jockey club. And Brian Hernandez will be uh, telling us about him. And then Linda powers home to win the Miss Revere Stakes. Of course, Brian was in the saddle for that one. Grade two on the turf. And Thatcher Street, what a race there. Uh, I'll tell you what, Brian had earned his jocks mount without a doubt there. Uh, Pluvian beat him by a half a length earlier in the season. And uh, Pluvian and those two match strides, it looked like Pluvian was going to pull away. But Brian did a great job with Thatcher Street and held off the late great runner, the Pizza Man. So uh, uh, those are a look at... Uh, some of the races are just hard to hard to get them all out. Uh, Farrell took the Goldenrod, Gate to Wire, Nuovo, a recorded score in the red carpet. Texas Rhino kicked clear in the Hollywood Turf Club. There was just so much racing, uh, really hard to uh, to get there. But we don't want to overlook Lady Foghorn in the Grade Falls City. Albin Jimenez gets his first graded win. Congratulations to Alvin. Great guy. Speaking of great guys, Brian Hernandez Jr. is going to join us. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a class act. It's hard to believe that I haven't talked to Brian Hernandez uh, Jr. since... uh, 2012, right after his 27th birthday when he brought home Fort Larned in the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic. Brian, welcome to Winning Ponies again. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me on. I'm surprised it's been that long. I didn't realize it's been that long. I know, I know. It seems like it was about a year or so ago. Well, well, since then, co- correct me if I'm right, I believe your father's retired from the saddle. Yes, he is. He's uh, He works, now he, he works for Outstall and he works here at the fairgrounds. He uh, he actually works as a valet here in the jocks room, and he takes care of me and my little brother Kobe in the jocks room. So it's it's a pretty neat experience. We're we're still really close knit. That's got to be. And since then, I believe you and the former Jamie Radosevich have had another beautiful daughter. No, we have we have a little we have a daughter, and she's two. And now we have a little boy. He's uh, Benjamin. He's five months now. Oh, he that, that that it's a boy. Okay, I saw the, the cutest picture of you guys up on Facebook last week. I saw you made a profile picture, and uh, so as always, now you know you, you did tell everybody that uh, you were you know, the Eclipse Award winning uh, apprentice uh, back in the day, but also that uh, your your wife is an Eclipse Award winner too as a photographer. Uh, that's that's rarefied air to have two Eclipse Award winners in the same family. Yeah, I don't think you see that too often. You know, the other day I was actually walking into the foyer of our house and I seen the two Eclipse Awards sitting there on the mantle and I, I just got to rethinking how amazing and cool that is to, to, be a, to be able to share that experience with my wife. Absolutely. Well, um, for our listeners out there that uh, perhaps uh, have started to join the show in recent years, can you just uh, recap uh, the early days back in Lafayette, uh, your early interests, and uh, how your, your father let you kind of slowly but surely and cautiously get into the business? Yeah, you know, we, uh, with Dad being a, a rider his whole life, we, uh, we kind of grew up into the, into the business. We ran around Evangeline Downs our whole childhood. And um, it was always there. You know, I started galloping horses and riding on the bush tracks when I was 13 and went through high school. And then when I was a senior in high school, I uh, I started riding. I rode for Dale. I mean, I, I galloped for Dale Angel, a great horseman here in, in southwest Louisiana, for about four years before I started riding. And then 
when I started riding him and Keith Bourgeois, they gave me a big push and kind of helped me start my career out really good and got us off on the right foot. Now, when I used to work at the fairgrounds, and this was a long time ago, their top chef was Carol Angel, and he was good friends with Randy Romero. Are those guys related? Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, the Angel name down here in Louisiana is pretty, pretty common. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's almost it's like, like the Joneses anywhere else in the country. Right, right. It, it's it's like Smith. Well, um, so you graduated uh, out of the bushes, uh, eventually out of the Louisiana circuit. Um, what kind of got you up to the point where uh, you ended up getting to a situation where you ended up being the leading apprentice in the country? You know, when I when I was riding around Delta and Evans, when Shane Sellers was down here at the fairgrounds at the time riding. And uh, he'd come over to Delta on Saturdays and ride the stakes. And he always told me, he said, look, when you graduate high school, just call me up and I'll hook you up with my agent here in Kentucky and we'll have you set up. So it worked out well that the day after I graduated high school, Shane set me up with Fred Amy, which was my agent at the time through my bug year. And uh, they set me up pretty good. You know, I went to Churchill Downs Derby Week, fresh out of high school. And uh, the very first horse I rode Derby Week, I won on for Pat Burns. It was a hang me on all I had to do was show up and make sure he kept going left and and he went around there and won and and from there on I was kind of hooked at Churchill down uh well, well Brian as you know this sport really is is all about uh communication and I, I I believe it's it's about partnerships that you make with certain people obviously your association with Ian Wilkes is, is something special and it goes all the way back uh, to your Breeders Cup Classic win tell me a little bit about how that association evolved yeah you know I got lucky that a few years ago I started working horses for Ian and for Mr. Carl and they've just kind of accepted me into the team and and it's worked out great because, you know, I go out in the morning to work horses and kind of give them the feedback on horses. And, and they've been, they're great to ride for. Guys like those, it's a team effort. And they're, they're just, it's a lot of fun to ride for because it's all about developing young horses and developing horses and the good horses. We don't have to go out there and, and win every time and have that pressure on our back to win every time. We just have to go out there and make sure that we do best by the horses and best by what's going to give the horse the best experience to where he's going to keep improving day in and day out. And that's what makes, that's what makes Ian and Carl such great horsemen is because they understand the game and they understand the aspect of developing a horse into a really good horse. Well, of course, so we're talking with Brian Hernandez Jr. When he talks about Mr. Carl, uh, he's uh, talking about Carl Navsker, who uh, pre- basically kind of uh, took Ian Wilkes under his arm uh, in the early years. And then as Carl's kind of backing out of the situation um, on the day-to-day basis, I, I heard that where after you had that great week uh, at Churchill Downs, Ian's actually going on vacation and he's going to let Carl babysit his horses for him uh, down in the Carolinas, I believe. Yes. You know, um, Ian, Ian and Tracy left on Tuesday and they went over to Australia to visit family. Ian was telling me they hadn't been in about 10 years. So they're over in Australia here for the next few weeks. And then, but Mr. Carl's got the string down at Palm Meadows in Florida and, and he's, it's pretty rare for you to have a Hall of Fame assistant. I don't think too many other guys in the country can say that. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I don't think they can. Well, while they're down in Florida at Palm Meadows, uh, what do the weeks ahead bring for Brian Hernandez? Are, are you already down uh, in the Crescent City? Yes, sir. We're down here in New Orleans. We got here on, uh, me and the family, we got here on Tuesday morning. We drove down. I actually rode a couple today here at the fairgrounds a couple seconds. But I have a couple good horses to look forward to. It looks like uh, the Phillies for Calhoun, Terry Finley's Lucky Charm. She's gonna, uh, Finley's Lucky Charm, sorry. She's going to run over in the La Brea at Santa Anita the day after Christmas. And uh, it looks like Linda's going to go over to Santa Anita as well on the 31st for the uh, American Oaks. So we got a couple good grade one winners. Hopefully we can knock out before the end of the year and finish off with a bang. Yeah, absolutely. Well, be, be, before I let you go here in a couple of minutes, I, I do have to ask you about McCracken. I've got to guess you've been with this horse before it ever entered a starting gate. Yes, I've, I, I worked him from the first time Ian had me get on him, and Ian told me how special he thought he was, but uh, when I started working him, he, he really showed it. And, you know, for an Ian Wilkes first-time starter, we were pretty high on him and didn't think that he – we we kind of expected him to win, which is pretty rare. But he went out there and he ran his race. And in the jockey club the other day, he really impressed me because, like I told Ian, he's the type of horse where he makes my job a lot easier because I was able to just sit back there. And, and he kind of read the race for me. You know, he, he made it to where I picked out my spot before I got to it. And it was so much easier riding those kind of horses than anything else. The good thing about McCracken as well is that he's so well-bred. I don't know if a whole lot of people realize this, but his, uh, his half-brother is Bondurant, which he had just gotten beaten in the Jefferson Cup the week before. Well, uh, he uh, also is a son of Ghost Zapper, who's extremely uh, uh, hot right now. And uh, just want to let you know, in the early book, you're up in like the top three or so horses as far as Kentucky Derby future. Uh, does that give you uh, butterflies or excitement, thinking that if things continue with McCracken that uh, first Saturday in May you could be in that starting gate? Yeah, of course. You know, anytime this is what we, being a rider, this is what you dream of every day. You want to you want a shot to ride the Kentucky Derby winner and, and to be able to go into the new year with a legitimate chance in McCracken, it's, it's very exciting. We just have to make sure he's healthy and, and get him there and get him through our prep races and, and go from there. Uh, I, I did uh, get a chance to watch all your races. You put in one heck of a ride on Thatcher Street. It looked like Pluvian came back on you there at about the 16th, Paul. Yeah, you know, getting that great at win for Thatcher Street, that was huge because he, he's always tried. And he's, he always shows up and runs his race. And, and to finally get over to hump and win that first great race, that was big. And you know what? When he made the lead the other day, he there was no way he was going to let Pluvian buy him. He he knew he was the man that day, and he gets over to Churchill down turf course way better than any other turf course he runs over. Uh, now, the, the horse you referred to uh, briefly about to probably go out on the West Coast and run Linda. I mean, you had an early stretch duel there with a grade one winner, Harmonize, and Linda just seemed to find another gear in that final furlong. You guys drew off by two and a half lengths. Yeah, Linda really impressed us, Ian. Ian was really high on her going into the race on Saturday, on Friday, I'm sorry. And uh, he thought she'd run a big race. But for her to put away a grade one winning mare like Harmonize and just draw away from her again, that was really, really impressive. Especially for a filly that, you know, she it was her sixth start. And she's only, she's broke her maiden and won the one other than And to go up 
and put away a grade one winner and, and win a grade two the way she did. That's saying a whole lot about her future for next year. Absolutely, and I certainly uh, want to see you in the saddle. Now, uh, you had the chance to really share a magic moment with uh, Ian Wilkes uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, and that was aboard not one of your stakes winners, but a pretty impressive horse in Bird Song, uh, giving Ian his 500th win as a trainer, which is one heck of an accomplishment. That had to feel great to be doing that as part of the team. Yes, that was great. You know, we've won quite a few races over the years together, but to be able to do that, and especially with a horse like Birdsong, because he's another one, I hate to keep saying it over and over again, but he's another one that we have really high hopes on, and we always thought he was going to be a really good horse, and now he's just, he's one of those type of horses where he's always been really, really fast, so it's always been hard to gauge how good he really is, but I think now we've, Ian's kind of got him figured out, and I think you're going to see the best of him next year. Now, uh, I, I do believe uh, that uh, you, you won the Dream Supreme. Uh, say, say it wasn't one of the three grade twos you won, uh, but still a nice $82,000 purse. Uh, odds on, you went wire to wire. That looked like a pretty easy ride. I think you won by over eight lengths. Yeah, that's a really, really nice filly. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to get to ride her. You know, I've gotten to ride her twice now, and both times she went eight and two. She beat she beat a really good group of older fillies in the allowance race in the two other than Breeders' Cup day, and she went eight and two. And then she came back the other day, and she beat older fillies again, and she went eight and two as well. So she's she's really really impressive, and she just does everything so easily and professional about everything she does. We're really looking forward to her. She's going to go and run in the uh, the La Brea over at Santa Anita the day after Christmas. So we're really looking forward to her running again. Well, uh, Brian Hernandez Jr., I'll be looking forward to, to watching you, not only in La Brea, but as we tune into the races down at the fairgrounds. I think that's pretty cool that you've got the, the family affair going with your, your brother and your father down there. Uh, you, you truly are blessed, blessed, my friend. Yes, sir, I am. I am very grateful for, for everything we've had these last few weeks and, and the whole profession and life that we've we've got going, you know, to be able to have the great wife and the two wonderful kids like we do, it's a, it's a great thing to get up and come home to every afternoon, that's for sure. Absolutely, and and it shows on the pictures that I see uh, that, you, that you and Jamie post. Of course, uh, uh, the Radosevichs uh, are kind of like the Hernandez in Louisiana. They're uh, a pretty well-steeped and well-esteemed family on the Ohio circuit, uh, and uh, both her, her father and uncle are uh, well-known. And, of course, I remember Jamie from back in her days when she was galloping at River Downs, and she looked pretty good on a horse herself. I know she ended up working for Steve Ash music so it must be pretty neat to have somebody that understands everything you go through uh at a day in the races both uh, in the morning and the afternoons yeah you know her understanding the uh the whole racetrack lifestyle it makes everything a whole lot easier she understands that we have to get up and pack and move every few months and it may be a few days a week that i'm not home and she she does a really good job with the kids she's become a, a great stay-at-home mom and Sometimes they may drive her a little crazy, but she kind of gets over it every once in a while. <laughs> well, she's got a great husband. Brian Hernandez, Jr., thanks so much for joining us today on Winning Ponies. Wishing you nothing but the best, my friend. Yeah, John, thank you. Thank you for having me on again. And hopefully it won't be another four years before I get to get back on. No, no, no. I don't think so, especially with the amount you've been getting on lately. Thanks a million. Oh. Say hi to Jamie for me. It will do. Thank you again, John.
All right. We've been talking with uh, Jackie Brian Hernandez. Going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to the man with the mic, the mellow fellow, a good friend of mine, Pete Aiello. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses At most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you Streaming live The leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a man I can call a, a good friend who I've enjoyed uh, watching his success rise over the years. Uh, known him since he was a student at the University of Arizona, uh, became the voice of Oak Lawn Park after uh, uh, serving, cutting his teeth, shall we say, in Cincinnati at River Downs and a few other uh, tracks out west. And, of course, now he's uh, the main man at Gulfstream Park. He's going to be an extremely busy man uh, this weekend as they host the Claiming Crown. Pete Aiello, how are you, my friend? Uh, it's a little surreal, John, to hear you say that I'm the full-time announcer at Goldstream Park. I've, I've purposely, over the last couple of weeks, tried not to think about it, but uh, we're getting close enough now where it's really starting to feel real. Yeah, yeah, it really is, especially, you know, with, with all the people that are going to be heading down there. Uh, of course, uh, you, you're going to be getting apples and oranges and bananas. I mean, instead of, you know, like most announcers kind of get in a groove because they know who their stables are. You get used to the silks, the, the riding styles of certain jockeys. You pick up the nuances. But let me tell you, they're throwing the kitchen sink at you on Saturday. you got people coming in from all over the country, so I'm really talented riders, some you've heard of, some you haven't. Uh, Huber Villa Gomez from Presque Isle and Thistledown will be there. Of course, uh, uh, the well-respected Julian Le Peru. So you got the whole world of racing on your doorstep Saturday. Yeah, and there's a guy that uh, that gets to make his South Florida return over the weekend, and he'll be riding all, uh, all winter long with us at Gulfstream Park. And it's a guy that, for me, it's kind of, I, I guess I, I share some similarities with him in the sense that we always, both him and I, flew under the radar, but uh, I think that I've said it for years that he's one of the premier riders in the country, and everybody laughed at me, but uh, he made his move to New York a couple months ago and has certainly proved me right, and that's Antonio Gallardo. So I'm certainly glad to see Antonio get to ride all winter long, and that'll be a pleasure for me to call him a- alongside some of the other great riders like Jersey Joe Bravo, Jose Lascano, and John Velasquez, Javier Castellano. 
I mean, we have the, uh, the, the apex of the business with us. Absolutely. I mean, if anybody's a handicapper or a gambler, uh, their eyes are going to be on, on Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Uh, can you just, uh, not that you're a media urologist, but how's the weather looking? Well, it's pouring rain right now, but that's nothing unusual in South Florida. Um, but uh, the forecast for the weekend is good. Uh, I just took a look at the turf course from my vantage point yesterday. Uh, the, the inside turf course, as I'm sure you know, that Goldstream Park turf course is actually the old main track when they went uh, through the renovations and built the new building and what all of our South Florida fans call the new Goldstream. The main track was converted to the turf course, so it's very, very wide. And the inner turf, as I would call it, has been laid up since about May. Uh, it's been shut down and completely reseeded. And then the outer turf has been uh, has been freshened up as it was with the two months over at Gulfstream Park West. So uh, all systems are go. That that is great. Well, listen. Before we get ahead, maybe uh, ask you to help us analyze some of these impossible races to analyze. Uh, we've got to talk to you about uh, the, the the new concept, uh, the, the twelve million dollar Pegasus Stakes. As uh, earlier in the show, I announced that uh, Los Al has arranged to set up a race for California Chrome, which I think is great since he never raced there. I mean, he gets hundreds to come out and watch him work at six in the morning. Uh, he'll finally get thousands to come out and get to watch him race. But of course, it looks like it's going to be a great matchup at this point. Uh, between Arrowgate and California Chrome, but that leaves us uh, 10 other slots for people to fill. It's going to be kind of interesting because we know some horses have fallen to the wayside. Uh, you know, how the, how's the race shaping up? I know there's some great incentives for people to get into it, and people, uh, it didn't take long for uh, the people to put it together to sell it out. How are things looking for the Pegasus? Well, I think uh, one of the interesting wild cards will be the guys who bought spots that uh, are not in horse racing, the guys that looked at it as a, as a strong financial investment. Uh, they're certainly scouring the world for, for great racehorses. And uh, I did hear a rumor uh, that we might be getting some international flavor, that there's some folks that are looking at it from outside the United States, so that would certainly be exciting. Um, and I, I think that uh, from a standpoint of, ra- uh, of racing day, uh, it's going to be something that we've never really seen in the racing industry in this country before. And uh, I know that that's another situation, John, where I'm not even remotely allowing myself to think about it because I need to sleep between now and then. <laughs> yes, I don't envy you, and I'm sure there'll be one heck of an, an undercard uh, to, to go with it. We're talking to, with Pete Aiello from Gulfstream Park. Well, uh, once again, the claiming crowns uh, coming up, uh, one of the sharpest claiming trainers in the country is going to be down there. I believe he's going to have nine horses going in the gate on the day, and that's Mike Maker. And of course, Ken and Sarah Ramsey like nothing better to do than, uh, you know, add trophies to their mantle. And I believe six of those nine uh, are owned by the Ramseys. Uh, So uh, you're set for an interesting day. As far as handicapping is concerned, it's close to an impossibility, Pete, in that the horses are just coming from everywhere. And while, yes, they become eligible for each race because they were one's claimers, which I think is great, um, some were claimed a while ago, some were claimed recently. It's uh, it's kind of an interesting scenario as you look at each race. Yeah, and then you have the horses that have home field advantage, much like the track announcer, well, in this particular standpoint where they've been racing in South Florida all year long. And it's really tough for me to tell how those horses will stack up 
against some of the horses that are coming in from out of town. But the one thing that for me is going to be the biggest storyline of all for Claiming Crown Day is how the main track will play, John. Uh, the main track, in my opinion, is routinely speed favoring. Uh, and I think that it's also a surface that if you've never been over it before, it's not a surface where you can ship in on Friday and run on Saturday with no reservations. Um, I certainly think that it's less so than, say, the old Calder race course was where you'd have to acclimate yourself uh, for a couple of weeks. But I, I, when I do the in-house handicapping from time to time in Gulfstream Park, the fans will come to know that I never, ever pick horses that, as I like to say, run off the van. So that's a certainly uh, another added storyline when you consider that some of the horses that come in for this race may have not been here for more than a couple of days. Well, thanks for that information, and that's why I have Pete Aiello on. Well, um, we're going to try to see if we get a mention on a couple of horses in as many races uh, as possible. Uh, we'll we'll start with the, uh, I believe it's the uh, Claiming Crown Emerald, uh, a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. That will be the finale that's scheduled to go off at five oh five Eastern time. Horses seems to be drawing attention here. Is Camac, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, let me see. Camac is going to break from the 13 post with fields as big. Some horses probably weren't crazy about the draw that they got, but uh, this horse reeled off, I believe, six in a row earlier this year, faced a very tough field in the last race on, on a turf event at Keeneland. Uh, Chris Block's been there. Um, I, I see that this horse has been training at some place called HUF. Do you know where that is? Uh, yes. Uh, don't quiz me on where it, what the name of it is, but it's Chad Stewart's place in Ocala, so the source will be shipping about six hours or so. Uh, Chris Block has a tendency to winter uh, at Tampa and then train out of that training center uh, and ship to wherever he wants to run, whether it be Gulfstream or Tampa. So Kimac uh, has at least been in Florida. Um, I could sit here and we could play this game for another two hours about why you would like a horse versus why you wouldn't. My biggest chink in K-Mac's armor, well, there's actually two. Number one, he has some tactical speed, uh, which is fine, except that I think there's other tactical speed in here. And uh, the number two, the second reason is, is that, again, Gulfstream Park's turf course is a unique turf course in that, that it's not quite as lush or deep as the courses where K-Mac has been racing, namely Arlington, Kentucky Downs, and Keeneland. I would have liked to have seen some races over a course that would be similar to this before I get too much in his bandwagon. So, uh, But like you said, John, I could sit here and poke holes in everybody, and the reality is, is that this race is one of the best betting races on the card, and for every horse that I like, you could probably poke holes in them as well. Well, with what you said earlier about, you know, horses having a bit of a hometown edge, uh, where do you put uh, the Chilean bred Air Bueno and I believe it's class and cash? Yeah, well, Air Bueno is interesting because Air Bueno is a horse that I know that the guys like you and I would really gravitate towards because Chuck Simon uh, got this horse from Chile and it took Chuck a long time to figure out what he wanted to do. He tried to run him short. He tried to run him long. He tried to put him on the lead. He tried to take him back. And it just took Air Bueno a long time to let his connections know what it is that he wants to do. And now they've got him figured out. And as you can see on form, you can almost look and see when they figured him out because he's been in good form now for almost a year. He's been in good form uh, since February of last year. And he's been racing against some very nice racehorses, including a horse in class and cash who you mentioned uh, she go, he goes out for trainer Jane Sabelli. She's been winning everything in sight 
The only thing about class and cash, another one that has some speed might have a little bit of a speed duel on the front end there. But Arboyo, 6-1 to one on the morning line, Matt Rispoli is the go-to rider. So he should trip out pretty well, even though he is drawn out wide. You're right. And that was the last thing I was going to ask you before we, we go to break. With so many large fields uh, in a mile and a 16th on a turf, how, how much is uh, the 11 hole, uh, 13 hole, and 14 hole going to talk the three horses we discussed about? Well, you know, it is going to play a major role. It's, you're going to have to get over from those high post positions. But the one thing that, I, again, I, I could be just completely speaking out of turn here. This is just my own theory right now. But the turf course over the summertime got pretty chewed up. So what ended up happening is, is because it was chewed up, it was carrying speed very, very well. I, do, I look for that to be the complete opposite, at least early in the meet. The turf course is ready to roll. It's in pristine condition, and it'll play much more fair than it had, say, in September or in August uh, the last time we raced over it. So I look for horses who come from far back, like the seven Dream Man. He will not be racing against the bias where he would have been three or four months ago. Very interesting. Well, uh, it, my producer, Matt Widener, is telling me we're up against a break. When we come back again, we're going to try to get to as many races as we can. I won't grill Pete as much as I have been. Uh, we'll come back uh, to the uh, Claiming Crown Jewel and uh, the uh, mile and an eighth on the main track, of course, carries a nice $200,000 purse. So, again, we're talking with Pete Aiello. We're talking Claiming Crown. We're talking taking a break here on Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, race analyst and announcer Pete Aiello. Uh, we're going to pick up uh, more Claiming Crown races. Uh, Pete, uh, the Claiming Crown Jewel, this one, uh, they kind of did a favor for the Florida breads. 200000 on the line, mile and eight. This is restricted to uh, the Sunshine State horses, isn't it? No, actually, I don't know why. I see why you say that, but I don't understand why that designation is listed. I think that's a mistake because, as you can see, the the betting favorite on the morning line, Royal Posse, is a New York bred. So I think they meant yeah. to have an R there, being that it's a restricted race, not a state bred race. Okay, you know, I had a big circle on my other sheet that says Florida Breds, but you're right. Uh, you know, uh, Royal Posse is probably, of all the races I looked at today, the only horse, somebody said, who do you like at Gulfstream? 
I would have to say Royal Posse, which is crazy in in a day that has so many horses. But uh, the horse, uh, you know, absolutely loves the distance. In 11 starts, eight wins, two seconds, has won over $675,000. And, uh, you know, he just... uh, Looks looks really good. And now again, he doesn't have, as you stated, the Gulfstream Park edge of of, of being down there. Uh, but I think deserve favoritism, uh, being able to uh, spit out one hundred buyers in uh, two of his last three starts. Well, and the other thing about Royal Posse is he he is the defending champion in this race, Johnny. So you know he can get over the surface here in South Florida. He's making his second start of the form cycle. He fired well off the freshening last time out. He can handle slop. He can handle fast tracks. And he's going to get a very good trip here because he can lay close, but not too close where he needs the lead. Uh, There's a lot more to like than there is to try to beat him with in this particular race. Well, uh, you know, this is one of the few races that doesn't have double-digit starters. And and what you said earlier about how you like horses that uh, got the early giddy-up-and-go, John Jones looks to fit that profile. He sure does. And I think that if you're looking for value, you have to go to his corner because he's a horse that ever since he's been claimed by Lacey Gaudet, he has not been beat. And he's won easily. He was expected to win in his last race in Maryland. He did. Did so under wraps after a subpar beginning. He brings his rider with him. He does have to, some tactical speed, and he appears to me to continue to be headed in the right direction. So he, unfortunately, he doesn't have any races at Gulfstream, but he would be the viable alternative if you're trying to beat the big favorite in race number 10. All right, and uh, the guy that you turned me on to, uh, Tyler Gaffleone, is riding a horse that's probably got some value to it in, in Mr. Kisses. As I recall, this trainer, uh, D- David Brady, uh, has a pretty good record when he goes from turf to dirt. Well, the thing about uh, Mr. Kisses, if you are looking at these races and you're listening to this tonight, do yourself a favor and go back and look at his race two back and go back and look at his race three back. And you will find a horse that doesn't deserve to lose uh, more so than any other race I've seen all year. He ran his eyeballs out behind a horse named Awesome Banner. Awesome Banner would go up to Ohio to Mahoning Valley. He would cross the wire first and what ended up being a pretty controversial call in the Steel Valley Sprint. So he's racing against real horses, even though those are state-bred races, two and three back. He ran very, very well. His race last time out as a complete throwout. He was in tight down toward the inside, and he had a rider on him in Luca Panici, who really does not do well with horses who need the lead. Gaffleone, on the other hand, is very good with those type of horses. All right. Well, again, I know you told me keep an eye on this, Tyler, and I'm going to. Uh, in the ninth race, 125000 It's It's uh, the Claiming Crown Tierra. Again, uh, hopefully we will be back on that turf course that you were talking about. The uh, tepid favorite in here, again, is going to have the expense of a rather outside post, and that is going to be number 12, Daddy's Boo, coming in from Churchill, trained by Larry Ravelli. Eddie Baird, who's a uh, Dad was always one of my favorite riders up in Chicago will be in the saddle. Well, this horse has won 11 of 18, so it's tough to poke holes in her. She's won her last three races. She's won those races over three different courses. You can see five, four different courses that she's won over in just the last few months. So she takes her racetrack with her. The problem is, is as you said, she's drawn all the way on the outside. And, John, i got news for you. There's some other speed in here. I like a horse from a little bit off the pace, a horse that I promised myself I would use 
off of her last race, and that is the local horse number eight, Temple Fur. She had to need that last race. And let me tell you something. If you're listening to this program, whether it's now or if you go back and this is archival footage, and you see the name Gypsy Eyes anywhere in the overnight at Gulfstream, Belmont, Saratoga, or anywhere, that horse can really, really run. So Temple Fur getting beat by her first start off a long way off, certainly not a disgraceful performance. All right, Pete, let's skip back a little bit because while I've got you on the line, uh, I know there's, there's a horse that uh, you've got some pretty uh, interesting feelings about that uh, could maybe give us a price, and I believe that would be in the fifth race, the Claiming Crown Glass Slipper, 110 up for grab. Your mile races come out of a chute, so that's one turn. Yeah, and the great thing about that from being the track announcer is that there's a big barn that's set up uh, to block my view with the one-mile races. So <laughs> I usually have to guess for about the first three or four jumps before they can get out of, uh, into my line of sight. Uh, there's, there's, John, there's a horse in here that's the defending champion, and she comes into this race uh, not quite as sharp as she did a year ago, but she still comes into this race with enough of a form cycle that intrigues me. She's won three out of four at Gulfstream Park, She's being ridden by the aforementioned Antonio Gallardo, and she should get a good tracking spot from out wide. Number 11, Moonshine Promise, 10 to 1 on the morning line for a guy I know you know an awful lot about, and Tony Reedy. Absolutely. I used to watch him when he was a leading rider at, at Thistledown uh, for uh, many of years. His son went on to become a good rider also. Uh, so Tony Reaney coming out of Thistledown with moonshine promise. Very interesting. But like you said, while this horse has uh, been up north, this horse has a really good resume down at Gulfstream. It's something else and also uh, uh, can uh, handle the distance rather well. Yeah, and I almost think that her last race is a throwout. It came against some darn nice racehorses up in Cleveland, and I know that I don't need to tell you this, but I can't tell anyone else who's listening, and maybe between the two of us saying the same thing, people will start to understand. The racing in Cleveland has got so much better over the last couple of years, especially on the top side. I mean, you have a horse that's on the form of Moonshine Promise in Need More Flattery, who's won I can't even count how many stakes, and a horse that was second in that particular race, Red River Heidi, she ended up going and running in the Woodbine Oaks. So, I mean, these are real racehorses, and the racing is a lot better than it used to be. She's facing some good company, and I think that from a price standpoint, she has got a big, big chance at a nice price. Well, uh, again, uh, we're talking uh, with with Pete Aiello here, and uh, he's given us one inside track uh, long shot there. Again, that's the, that's the fifth race. Well, uh, Pete, there's so much uh, too much more to talk about if we uh, break it down to individual races. So, um, as far as uh, the excitement coming into this day, uh, and I think it's great. Didn't you name uh, one race after uh, the Claiming Crown Canterbury, I believe, is the eighth? Because they were the first ones to come up with this concept. Yeah, they sure were. And it was uh, really a great thing for Canterbury at the time. You know, with Gulfstream Park, the, the Claiming Crown is the proverbial cherry on top. I mean, it's opening day of our champions meeting, and what better way than by hosting the Claiming Crown? Uh, and we're very happy to have it, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's certainly been all over the country. They held, held it at parks one year, was at Canterbury for a long time. The fairgrounds hosted it, and we're really happy to have it here in South Florida the last couple of years, and we hope to have it for uh, as long as they care to have us as their host. Well, um, all I can say is, uh, as a track announcer, 
You certainly have your work cut out for you, Pete. There's going to be a lot of silks that uh, you've never seen before and may never see again. (laughs) Same with some of the riders that are coming up there. So uh, I I wish you nothing but the best on what looks like it's going to be a very challenging day from the announcer's booth. It definitely will be. There is one horse on the program that I am already confident I will not have to worry about trying to find, and that's in the Iron Horse race number seven. If you're looking for no breaks, you'll find him last until about three furlongs from home. He's making his 100th and eighth start, John. That's right. I said 108. He's going for his 23rd lifetime victory, and he's made over 400000 He'll be a sentimental pull for me in race number uh, seven on the program. 15 to 1. Give it to the old man. No breaks. All right. Well, thanks a million for uh, being on with us again. We've been talking with Pete Aiello, uh, the uh, man at the mic at Gulfstream Park and a great racing analyst. You could, uh, What you just heard was uh, how much homework he does do before the races and before he's willing to, to comment on them. I also want to thank Brian Hernandez Jr. and congratulate him on the sensational week he had and being named uh, National Jockey of the Week. So, so again, uh, you're listening to Winning Ponies. You're going to want to pull down those easy win forms. A lot of tough races over the weekend. We thank you for listening. I want to thank my producer, Matt Widener, and all of you that listen on Winning Ponies. I'm signing off right now. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.